0: way down in Egypt land that you went to Jesus Christ and told sin to let my people go. Lord God, we thank you so much that those who are in Christ Jesus, that we experience the fullness and the wholeness that Christ has worked for us. So now, Lord God, we ask you that uh, you would surround us with your presence. We don't forget. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. Exodus 25, verse 23. Over the course of several weeks, we have walked through this idea of presence, and specifically the presence of the Lord, and what all of this meant, and, and how we should live our life near the Lord. And today's message is no different. But we begin today's message by talking about the bread of presence, the bread of presence. Exodus 25 verse 23. The passage reads, you shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around its handbreadth wide, and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for it four rings of gold, and fasten the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame the ring shall lie, as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons. If you don't know what flagons are, those are pitchers and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. So here we see that the Lord had instructed Moses on Mount Sinai uh, how you need to create the environment for the presence of the Lord. You see, what God was saying is that uh, he just don't want to come and to be in the presence and you all treat him as if he's not royalty. You see, because the Lord God is royal. God is royal. Why would you uh, treat a king any less than what he is? Some of us think that uh, we can come into God's presence and just think he doesn't care. Uh, and I know that uh, we've uh, often said in churches that we need to come to church, uh, come as you are. But the Lord didn't say this here, did he? He says, no, Look, when you come to meet me, uh, even your table has to be set right. I know now uh, we use paper plates and plastic forks and knives and plastic cups because we don't want to get nothing dirty. But God says that when you come into my presence, uh, you need to have the right table, and the right table needs to be made of the right things. So preparing the table for the bread of presence was an important detail to the Lord as we see in our passage. It first tells us that uh, the table needed to be made of acacia wood. The table is important as we know because a table set the foundation for anything and the table would be one of the foundations which God would honor why is there so much detail? Why didn't he say, well, you know what? Uh, go ahead and make me a table. Just bring out any old thing. Go ahead to the basement and bring that old car table up. Go ahead. That table uh, that has a little dirt on it, go ahead and bring it in. I remember years ago, a friend of mine, we had gone uh, to see Dizzy Gillespie at the Jazz Showcase. And, uh, and we were sitting there waiting on Dizzy to come out. And it just so happened where we sat at, Dizzy walked right past me. He was walking right past me. But as he was walking right past me, he was cursing. I mean, he was cursing like a sailor. And he was doing it loud. I'm saying to myself, why would you act like this with all these people around here? And then he started, sounded like he was talking about one of the guests and call this person a really bad name, so bad that I can't even mention it now. So uh, if you know me by now, I just said, hey Dizzy, what's, what's going on? He said, you wanna know what's going on? I said, yeah. He said, you see that so-and-so right there? It's pointing to this lady. He says, that lady asked for my autograph. And I said, sure. And would you believe that person gave me a napkin with coffee stains all over it? Well, see, he wasn't saying that he was all that. He was saying, at least if you want my autograph, at least, at, at, at least have some type of respect for me. You see, what God says, uh, that when you come before me, uh, don't just bring your old dirty car table, you make sure that you bring a table made of acacia wood. You make sure uh, that that table is overlaid with gold. Why? Because God is royal and God is a king and he doesn't want anything from us. God is specific. So it's very interesting that uh, when you do a little research and you find out about the acacia tree, uh, the acacia tree it's also, in some uh, translations they'll call it a shittim, which is plural, or shittah. And it was uh, 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 an acacia tree, or shittim, what it was, it was a very uh, tight grain wood. Very dense. This wood was uh, so compacted that insects basically had a very hard time trying to bore holes through it. But also, uh, because of that wood being so tight in the grain uh, that even water had a hard time trying to rot it out. The result was that a table made of Acacia wood uh, had a very long lifespan. In fact, Isaiah speaks of a future prosperity for God's people where the acacia is a sign of healthiness. Like what? Uh, Look at Isaiah chapter uh, 41, verse 19, 20. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 19 and 20 it says, I will put in the wilderness the cedar, and there it is, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, the Holy One of Israel has created it. In other words he's saying that the acacia tree would be among others in a dry and a weary land a land that is barren a land that is desert uh, but uh, the prophet Isaiah was saying as he was uh, uh, as he heard from God uh, that a sign of prosperity would be that when you walk in the land of barrenness, that there would be an acacia tree. God says that even though you may be barren, He will always give you life. He will always give us refreshment. He will always give us the spiritual vitality to make it through. You see, it doesn't matter where you are. It matters what's in you. Doesn't matter where you are, it matters, it matters what's in you. If you don't listen to the Holy Spirit in you, then every time you enter into a dry land, you will always falter. You will always, you see, you will always blame your environment or the people around you for your failure. You will always dry out. Again, it's not our environment, it's not the people, it's what's in us. So the Lord didn't haphazardly select uh, any old type of wood uh, because that was the only thing he saw lying around him. The acacia wood was symbolic of how uh, the Lord has saved us and sealed us with uh, the Holy Spirit to keep us healthy, hopeful, and prepared to resist the damaging influence of our environment. Never have to worry about the thorns of life choking us out, because the Holy Spirit has made us whole. The Lord likes beauty. Why? Because He is the creator of beauty. God likes beauty because He is the creator of beauty. Uh, back to Exodus chapter 25 verse 24. Uh, 28, uh, he says, you shall overlay it, that is, the table made out of the acacia or the shittim wood, you will overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. Verse 25, and you shall make a rim around it, a hand breadth wide, and a molding of gold around the rim. 26, you shall make uh, for it four rings of gold. Verse 28, you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Verse uh, 29, and uh, And you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offering. You shall make them of pure gold. You see, the wood on the table was not the only important thing to the Lord. But God says even its appearance matters. Even its Appearance matters to him and what it represents. Again, the wood uh, was to be overlaid in gold. Uh, gold is used to symbolize both value and also permanence. How many of us would not like a semi-trailer to pull up uh, full of gold bars? Right? No, uh, no strings attached. Old semi-trailer uh, pulled up uh, with gold bars. How many of us would say, no, I don't want that? cause we know if we had that we're thinking about endurance of our life and we think uh, of the value of the goal and thinking that we have it made now so a table uh, doesn't simply entertain the idea of uh, just something to place things on right uh, the idea of the bread of presence and And uh, there was the flag on the picture that was there, right? Uh, The other things that were on the table. Uh, Not just that idea of coming uh, to meet God for the sake of meeting God. Tables always suggest the idea of food. Can you say amen to that? And where there is food, there is a level of intimacy of relationship. Uh, This is why uh, someone I know uh, that uh, they always say, uh, church people always, uh, they always want to meet and eat all the time. Every time church people get together, all they do is eat, 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 eat. But the idea of eating, the idea of coming uh, to the table, it deals with intimacy of relationship. This is why it's so important that even in your household, when it's time for dinner, that everybody gather around the dinner table without distractions, right? Why? Because it allows for intimacy of those relationships, right? Don't accept any excuses from the children, the mother, the father, the husband, wife, whoever is in the house, when it's time to eat, everybody comes to the table. If you are home when dinner is being served, then get to the dinner table. Now, you say, well, there are many times I'm not hungry. Well, if you're not hungry, then you come to the dinner table and you watch everybody else eat. Amen? Because the idea is that you're just not coming to eat. This is how we check up on each other. This is how we find out how we really are. Because oftentimes, you can find out things about a person without saying a word. You can find out things about a person by looking at them. But if you never see them, how can you discern what's going on? Which is why I'm always worried about anyone that does not want to meet me. Anyone that does not want to see me face to face. I'm always a little weary because I'm thinking in the back of my mind something is going on. Because when I see you, I believe uh, that the Holy Spirit is always at work. Amen? This is how we can tell when we ask a person, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, but you look at them and you know there's something wrong. You say, I know there's something wrong with you. Let me pray for you. See. So the bread of presence and its place among believers. Verse 30. The table now has been set of acacia wood, overlaid in gold with the pole sticking in it. Then it says, verse 30, And you shall set the bread of presence on the table before me regularly. But with all that foundational preparation, it is the bread on the table that is the focal point. Verse 30, 30, in fact, it calls it the bread of presence. Why would the bread be called the bread of presence? In Hebrew, it's actually called, to translate it, I'll translate it for you, it's called the bread of faces to face. That's what it's called in Hebrew. The bread of faces to face, and if you don't believe me, here it is in Hebrew. Lachayim. You know what Lachaim is because you're familiar with uh, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, and you know uh, Bethlehem, uh, the word bet means house, and the word Lachaim, that means bread. So Bethlehem is the house of bread. So this passage, a uh, bread of faith, face to face, says Lachaim, Fanim. La so when there is a face-to-face, there is a meeting of two for reasons of intimacy, of relationship, be it for dinner or be it for conversation. Remember, most meals usually result in people talking. Now, uh, if it's time for dinner and everybody comes to table to the table and nobody talks, what would you think? If you manage to go, uh, I'm not sure, in our house uh, uh, we have appetizers every time we have dinner. And we have dessert, we have like seven courses. So if you manage to go through all the courses of dinner, and I'm just kidding if you're listening to me wondering if that's true. right? Uh, if you manage to go uh, from beginning to end of, uh, of your meal and no one talks, something is rotten in Denmark. God says, when you come before me, it is for a reason. He says, but the, the bread, understand that the bread that appeared on the table was not just one loaf, and now we're talking about how this was set up. Uh, within the holies of holies, the place where the high priest would go uh, to meet uh, the Lord uh, once a year. Uh, you had your holy place and you had your holy of holies, right? Uh, but in, uh, within this tabernacle, uh, there was a table set up. And on that table had bread. Amongst other things, there's a table of incense there, and there was uh, the, 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 the golden candlestick within this place. But behind the curtain, uh, you found the holies of holies, the most holy place, and anybody couldn't go in there. But within that tabernacle, tabernacle you had the bread. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5. It says, you shall take fine flour, I'm sorry, Leviticus 24. You guys are real good. Leviticus 24, verse 5. They're good. Leviticus 24, verse 5. Leviticus 24, verse 5. It says, You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it, two-tenths of an ephah. Let's hold on for one second, brothers. Uh, uh, Two-tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles six in a pile on the table of pure gold before the Lord and you shall put pure frankincense on each pile uh, that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion Uh, as a food offering to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever, and it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual due. Verse 5 says, you shall take fine flour and bake. Two loaves from it, make 12 loaves from it, and you shall set them in two piles, two piles, six on one side, six on the other side. You can remove the, the covering off of that. Just do that, please. Six on one side. And take that plastic all the way off the table, please, brothers. And six on the other side. Why 12 loaves? Why 12? Right, because each loaf represents a tribe of Israel. So since each loaf of bread represents one tribe of Israel, that meant that every time the bread was set out before the Lord, each tribe would show up. Not that each representative of a tribe would show up, but inherent in the bread itself would be a tribe of Israel, a coming to be an intimate relationship, conversation, commune with the Lord. But as you know, again, uh, that one person from each tribe of Israel didn't show up. It was the Levitical priest who would show up. And they would come and eat of the bread because they represented all the firstborn of Israel who was spared from the death plague in Egypt. So the bread of presence or the bread of face-to-face was that time in which the Lord would come before his people to commune with them. And as you heard last time, if the Spirit of God is not with you, then how could you be God's people? How can you be God's people if you don't have the Spirit of God? This is an identifying mark of God's people as they traveled uh, from Egypt, uh, from bondage uh, into the wilderness, all the way into the promised land. The identifying factor was that the Spirit of God was with them. That's what set them apart. God was not just with them because God is omnipresent. Everybody can say God is with with me because God is everywhere, amen? But they can't say God is with them in a relational way. That is only reserved for the people of God. See, God, he desires communion with his people. Leviticus 24 and 8. Every Sabbath day, Aaron shall arrange it before the Lord regularly. It is from the people of Israel as a covenant forever. So now this bread would be replaced every Sabbath or once a week. Now I'm not sure if they left the bread on the table for a whole week because in my mind I'm like, man, maybe that bread gets get a little stale after a couple of days because they didn't have all those preservatives at the time, amen? All the stuff we put in our bread to make us healthy, amen? At least that's what they tell us. But nevertheless, uh, uh, that bread was replaced once a week. This seemed to imply that the Lord God insisted on regularly, right, communing with his people. So once a week they had to come in and replace the bread. So regularly. God said there needs to be a a, a freshness about your relationship with him. God says that there must be a refreshing that occurs. If you never get refreshed before the Lord, then something is wrong. The Lord requires a constant relationship with Him. Not a one-time prayer or not a one-and-done, I go to church on Sunday and I'm done for the rest of the week. Or I go, I, I'm, a, I'm a, Christor, a Christian, right? I go to church on Christmas and Easter and I'm good for the rest of the year. God requires a constant relationship with us. And as we heard in previous messages, uh, it takes time to really get to know a person. Can't do it through a text, amen. Can't do it through an email. And you really can't even do it through FaceTime or some other thing. It, it requires a really face to face interaction. The people would not forget the Lord. And the Lord made sure that they would not forget to honor Him and meet Him on a regular basis. Here we go. Recall again Leviticus 24.9, in which the priest alone were qualified to eat the bread of presence. Leviticus 24.9 says again, it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place. Aren't we in the holy place? Since it is for him a most holy portion out of the Lord's food offering. A perpetual due. The consumption of this bread was a perpetual statute or law for these priests. Brothers, if you would. You're about to be handed some of this bread. I'm not sure if you are carb intolerant. If you're on keto, hito, shito, whatever you may be on. Amen? This is one time I want you to break out, of that, uh, break out of that bondage. Amen? And you will not take a small piece. And I told the brothers to bring back no bread at all. None. And please, go right ahead. Eat up. Go ahead. Eat up, please. Right now. Go ahead. God bless you. If you need to bless your food, consider it blessed. Amen. And the brothers, again, they are instructed not to bring any bread back to the table because new bread will be replaced. Remember, they would come once a week to replace the old bread with the new bread. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Every Sabbath, there had to be new bread. Right, Uh, There had to be new engagement with God every single week, every time. There needed to be new engagements. But as the scripture says, thou shalt take butter and microwave it. And I hear some of you say, well, you could at least give us some water or something with that. Oh, those Hebrews in the wilderness. Oh, Moses, how do I understand? Please eat up. They are instructed to not to bring back any bread. Do not bring back any bread to the tabernacle, brothers. So if they ask you to take another piece, taste, take it, please. They are not to bring back any bread to the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. Even though the priest represented the average person, the average person could not eat of the bread. Because only the priest was uniquely and individually sanctified and qualified before the bread. See? I'm done with you for now. Oh, go right ahead. You have any up here? Go right ahead. Make sure you get some bread, brothers. The question is, though, are you a priest? Are you a priest? You see, if you all up in the tabernacle eating God's bread, don't you know you have drop dead? So I hope you didn't take up this and you're not God's person. I hope you're not enjoying yourself because it was presented to you because this is only designed for God's priest. Now let's turn our attention to the New Testament. So, the idea here that we found in the Old Testament was that uh, when uh, the bread was presented, Uh, to the Lord on that table made of acacia or shittim wood all overlaid in gold the idea is that we would come before his presence the idea is that God is there God is there that now we are meeting God Faces to face. Faces to face. The bread of faces to face. We're now meeting God. God has showed up speaking to our souls. So, who are the priests in the New Testament? The disciples of Jesus Christ are the priests in the New Testament. The disciples of Jesus are also priests beginning in the New Testament regardless of how you function in the church. You are a priest if you are an evangelist, if you are a shepherd, an apostle, a teacher, a prophet, sound engineer, usher, greeter, administrator on the worship team, doing PowerPoint, helping in missions, or sweeping the floors in the church, you are a priest. And by the way, that also includes those of you who have not yet decided how you will serve in the church, but will soon make a decision. If you are a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, then you are also part of his holy priesthood. In fact, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Here it is. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How do we gain access when at one time we were not his people? How do we gain access uh, as God's royal priesthood when when even in the Old Testament everybody could not come into the tabernacle? Matthew chapter 27 verse 51 Matthew 27 51 and behold the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Consider this, that typically when you, tear, when you tear something, you try to tear it from the bottom to the top. But from the top to the bottom, I guess you could tear it from the top uh, to the bottom, but it was torn in two. Uh, not, by, uh, not by hands that people could see, but it was God uh, tearing it into two because within the holies of holies, God was now giving people access to him. So as the curtain was being torn, because being, remember in the Old Testament, uh, even though within the tabernacle you had multiple priests going in and out, but in the holies of holies, only one person could go in once a year. One person, and that was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. So not even the average priest could go into Uh, The holies of the holies behind the curtains. But now, uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, now the holies of holies, the curtains that separate uh, God from everyone else, has been torn in two. It says, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So dead people rising up all over the place. So Jesus opened the way for intimacy for those who accept and follow him as their Lord and atoning sacrifice. What was once hidden and far away from the average person has now been opened and we have access to him and his faithful ways. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. So we have been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. If this is the case, and we know it is the case, how must we continue this idea of having his presence near us at all times? How do we remember the work that Jesus has done for us? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 verse 48. John 6:48 through 51. Jesus says, remember that phrase at the beginning, he says, ego, amen He says, I, I, he repeats the word I. I, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die, speaking of himself. I am the living bread that comes came down from heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live, how long? Forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What does it mean to ingest Jesus, who is the bread of life? Does he want us to literally eat his flesh? In fact, uh, Jesus goes a step further uh, to say that not only are we to eat his flesh, but he goes on to say we are to drink his blood. John 6, verses 54 through 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on, that last, on the last day. Uh, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. The idea we see here again is associated with God being present with us. In other words, not only is God simply near us, but God has decided to dwell in us. You see uh, in the Old Testament that when the priests, when the people came before the God, is for God to draw near to them. It's for them uh, to experience the nearness or the closeness of God. Uh, but uh, what would it be to have God inside of you? No, you're not God. You are not God. But in relationship to an intimacy of relationship uh, that when we eat of his flesh and we drink of his blood, uh, now his presence is not just an external influence, but his presence is an internal influence that rests and abide in each and every one of God's people. Are you God's person? <laughs> God is not just there. God just simply didn't show up God said there would be more. Which is why for many of us, we have it made better than the saints of the Old Testament. Remember Moses, he kept asking the Lord to reveal himself to him. Why? So that he would know the Lord. So how difficult would it be to realize the presence of the Lord if he already abides in you? Again, all this concerns with God's desire to be intimately involved in our life, to be near us, to be close to us. Last time we heard that Moses didn't want to move forward without the presence of the Lord. God, if you don't go, I ain't going. Lord, if you can't make a way and be there for me, I don't want to go. Moses said, if your president doesn't take the lead here, he says, call it off right now. I don't want to go. Don't you know how you act when you get mad at somebody? You know what? I didn't want to go anyway. Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with me, if you don't go with your people, I don't want to go. Amen. How can we, as Christians, move forward in the name of Jesus Christ unless the Lord is constantly present with us I know some of us like to leave the Lord behind on some of the dirt that we do don't we you know we we hope that God would just have a blind eye and God is not listening to us and God is not watching us but we know that God is he listens he watches he's paying attention to all of our actions So don't think that God is not there But what should set you apart when you go off the rails is your ability to repent. So when you go off the rails, get yourself back on track. Get properly restored in right relationship with him. Because you better know this, sooner or later, God is going to come calling. Sooner or later, he's coming calling. If we are not in a state of confession, then our relationship with the Lord is strained. And when we come to the table before the Lord, nobody's talking. We're not confessing. God's not forgiving that sin. It's quiet. And you've already said, when people come to the table and it's quiet, there's a problem. can't fool the Lord. No matter how hard you try, you can't fool them. But we continue on with the symbolism of the bread, but its meaning slightly shifts for the believer. The bread now symbolizes Christ's body, which was broken for us. 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 24. Paul says for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed that he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. You see this bread is a symbol which progressively reveals the heart of God. The bread is a symbol which Uh, progressively reveals the heart of God. Uh, We have been talking about the presence of the Lord and how his presence has been realized through the bread of presence in the Old Testament and under the law. There in the tabernacle of the Lord uh, were the 12 tribes represented by the 12 loaves of bread which was presented fresh before the Lord every single Sabbath. This was to remember the Lord and remember the close relationship he had with all his people. We also saw how Jesus told the people that if they did not eat him, uh, who is the bread of life, that they would have no part of him. Again, Jesus required a deep level of intimacy with him in order to be granted the benefits of knowing the Lord. But Jesus, as God, would accept nothing less than full commitments of him. Now, now, in 1 Corinthians 11... Verses 23 and 24, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, eating of the bread again represents the body of Christ, but this time that body which was broken for us, Jesus was killed by people and that murder became a gracious sacrifice for all those who would accept his ministry and his personhood. And by the way, there's only one Savior and only one way out of the predicament we are currently in if you don't know Jesus. So we must remember that the bread we eat during communion, the Lord's Supper, or at the Lord's Table, is that which represents the sacrifice of Jesus' body for us, which was scarred, which was broken for us. It was broken for me! So often we like to think of having the Lord's presence, and it's representing a level of victory for us. When the Lord is present, there's a sense that nothing can stop us and nothing can cause us to stumble along the way because he is with us, Emmanuel. But eating the bread at the Lord's table is ingesting the connection of Christ's presence and sacrifice for us. Even though brokenness and death doesn't feel or sound like victory, it is a greater victory for us. Better than when Moses led the Hebrews out of bondage. Better than when he led them through the wilderness. Better than when he led them into or towards the promised land. Uh, that for us, that this means life. Victory was not denied them. Neither has victory been denied you. Those of us who are in Christ... We are more than conquerors in him that love us because we have his presence and his brokenness for us. So now, see, God is not just out there. God wants to be in here. He wants us to remember He's not way out there. He wants us to remember how his body was broken for us. How the blood splattered all over the place. And how he did it for us. It's a song that says, Just for me. Just for me, Jesus did it all just for me.